very good morning to you, Riverside. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Stephen and privileged to serve here as one of the leaders. And as Daryl alluded to earlier, today is a very special day in the calendar of Riverside. Uh, we have our annual GRM, which stands for Growth Ring Meeting. And if you're wondering why that language, think about a tree and think, listen to the rest of the message and hopefully that'll make a bit more sense. Think about the annual growth rings of a tree, celebrating the past, celebrating the future. Uh, some churches call it an AGM, but we just want to kind of remove the business side of it, even though we do have to talk about finances and some of those things, but we recognize we're an organism and maybe some of the organic language is far more helpful. And traditionally what we've done on our GRM Sunday is to talk about vision. And Lord, what are you saying to us as a church and where are you wanting to lead us? And normally what we get a sense of is a bit of a word for the year. Where God says for the next 12 months, here's the direction I want you to walk in. Here's a season that perhaps is ahead of you guys. And this year it just feels like God is wanting to do something slightly different with us. And instead of taking us through a shorter season of, of something interesting or something he's wanting to do, I believe he's wanting us to step back and relook at the bigger picture of why we as a church exist. We recognize as a global church and we're part of the global church, but we're asking the question, but why Riverside Community Church? And as we understand the bigger picture, we are better able to participate with what God is doing specifically here. Now, if you look at the first picture we're gonna have on the screen here, think of that big arrow as the direction God is leading us as a church. But that is not really helpful if each and every single one of us are those other arrows. And some of us are kind of a little bit misunderstanding the idea and we're going a bit to the left or a bit to the right. And some of us are really going east or west and we have no idea what's going on. And some of us are maybe even opposing the work that God is doing. And can you see how that will frustrate the work that God is wanting to do in our midst? But if we look at the second picture, and again, the big arrow representing where God is wanting to align us. And the more that you and I can be on par with God, not on par with Steve, but on par with God, God's dreams for Riverside, where He is leading us, the more we can align our expectations, align our efforts, and can you see how we'll be far more effective as a church going forward? In many ways, the series we've been going through as a church is doing exactly that. So if you wanna know what Vision Sun is about, it's actually the This Is Us series. The entire This Is Us series is trying to align ourselves with the church that Jesus is building, specifically Riverside Community Church. And, and we are wanting to, to say of these many things, this is us. And just like uh, kind of, you know, when I was born, I, I didn't come out as handsome as I am right now. And uh, I had even a, a lot more hair back then and I didn't come out with two degrees and I didn't come out ready to get engaged and get married. I had to crawl and kind of poop and eat and, you know, rinse and repeat and learn to walk and carry on going. In the same way, we as a church were not born fully formed. And there are certain things we've been going for just over eight years. There are certain things that when we look at God's word, we look at God's heart for Riverside, we can say, yes, that is us. And absolutely, we wanna celebrate those things and we wanna partner with God and, and even improve on those things. 
And there are other things that we are putting in our crosses that as we grow and as we mature into Christ, we are pointing in the right direction so that we can say in increasing measures year on year. And this is us too. So that's the journey we're on. And, and today I just want to give a little bit of uh, feedback and input into what that can look like so that, you know, we know where our efforts are and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to knock our shins, but at least we're falling forward and our efforts are aligned in the same direction as a church. There's also another reality as one thinks about church. And I've been chatting with some of the church leaders around this. If you're not a church leader, maybe you've never thought about church in this way. But there are certain biblical principles which are non-negotiables for any church, whether you're in South Africa, Australia, Europe, Asia, South America. And many of those we've actually spoken about in the This Is Us series. So whether you're 50 people under a tree or whether you're 20 people in a lounge with an acoustic guitar, or whether you're in a contemporary setting with 2,000 people and lights and awesome sound and all the rest, there are certain biblical non-negotiable principles that we have to hold to as a church. But on top of that, there is a unique role that God wants every single church to play within the kingdom. Because the truth is, and if you've been around the church world for any period of time, you will know that not every church will do everything equally well. One of the metaphors for the church is what Jesus calls the body of Christ. Meaning that you and I, that's referring to you and I, we're different parts of the body. So you look and you are gifted and you are passionate differently to me. But yet just like my body has one mission, if I'm to eat, everybody's participating with me eating. If I'm mountain biking, my feet and my hands and my arms are all participating with keeping me on the bike and going forward, right? In the same way, our diversity comes together with a united mission. That's us, the local body. But in the same way, we can think about the body of Christ in a more kingdom sense. We can think about that Riverside is playing a unique role in the greater body of Christ. And there are things that we can celebrate and that God is gonna use us to move the ball forward in the kingdom of God that maybe other churches cannot do as well. And then equally, there are gonna be other churches and, and when, when Ramah's moving the ball forward and, and their calling and their assignment, man, we can celebrate with them. And when the bridge is moving the ball forward and in the way that God has called them to do it, we can celebrate with them and we can do the same with the two BBCs and the, and the BMCs and uh, you know who else, uh, well, ABCs and uh, St. Paul's and Harvest. And we can celebrate that we are one church amongst many. But that also means we need to have a clear idea of the role God is calling us to play in the greater context. And this is frustrating sometimes as leaders. If you've ever led in a school or a business environment or in a church environment, you would know that it is very easy to say no to bad things. It is very difficult to say no to good things in order to say yes to better things. And in a church environment, sometimes it means learning to say no to good things in order to say yes to God things when we understand our calling that God has for us as a church. And today, I hope that every single one of us has a bit more clarity when it comes to that so we can align ourselves with God's divine assignments on our lives as Riverside Community Church. I'm praying that you don't just hear this with your minds. I'm praying that God ignites a fire in your hearts. 
that we move from going to church to being the church, that we recognise by being faithful in this body and the various roles that we play, whether it's serving one another or serving out there, man, we're part of God's greater picture and we can celebrate together with all the other churches that, man, the kingdom of God is growing in the South and I played a role in that. But only God can ignite that fire. And I, and I really have been praying for you because the church is, I've used this phrase so many times, but the church is and always was God's plan A for the world. Even though the church can sometimes be a little bit messed up and warts and all, nonetheless, somehow God's glory makes it through. And we're part of that. So literally, we're just gonna carry on with our This Is Us series. It is just very appropriate that today, when we're talking about this is us, we want to say of ourselves as a church, we are faith-filled. We are faith-filled because God says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we want to please God, we need to be full of faith. So, so what does it look like to be full of faith? And to be honest, I think uh, most of us here are probably struggling with our faith. And by that, I don't just mean our Christian faith. If I use the word uh, trust and faith uh, in, in, in the similar ways, uh, I think we have a faith problem as a nation. I think we're starting to get to the point when we see leaders, and I don't wanna talk politics here, but regardless of who comes into your mind, when we look at a leader, we're going, can I trust you? Do I have faith in you? Some of us are looking at the economical situation of our country saying, can I trust our economical situation. I know I've got a faith problem. Tonight, are my lights gonna go on? So some of us are thinking financially, can I trust the future? Can I trust this future with my lives and the lives of my kids? So what do we do when we aren't full of faith? And again, I'm not using it in a Christian sense at the moment. When we aren't fully trusting people, systems, and environments, what we do is we come up with a backup plan. So for example, let's go to our lights. If you're like, I don't know if my lights are gonna be on when I get home. Some of you have been able to buy a generator. That's your backup plan. Some of you, you just got extra candles, right? Or you got a gas stove or just other ways to deal with it. It's your backup plan just in case. So some of us have economic backup plans. Like, I, I don't know if I can trust this economy, so I'm gonna invest offshore. Some of you have a sort of a future backup plan saying, I don't know if I can trust the future here. So I'm just gonna check out ancestral visas just in case. And I'm just gonna put out some CVs across the waters just in case things don't work out here, right? But let's say we do fully trust the person. We do fully trust the system. I think the first thing that happens is we stop worrying. I mean, if we know the lights are gonna be on tonight, we don't have to worry, is there diesel in the generator? We don't have to worry, do I have enough matches? We don't have to worry, do I have gas at home? Because I know that the lights will be on when I get home. If, if, uh, if you trust a person, a friendship, the more you trust the person and fully trust them, you're gonna stop worrying about whether or not they're gonna betray you. Why? You trust them. So the first thing that happens when we fully trust someone or something is that we stop worrying. The second thing that happens is we are happy to invest in that thing or that person or that system. 
What do I mean by that? Let's go back to the friendship. So man, I'm just finding this person reliable. I'm just finding this person trustworthy. So I am happy to invest myself into this friendship. Maybe it's a romantic interest. I've seen their character. I've seen that I can actually trust them with my, the rest of my life. So I'm happy to invest myself fully into this romantic relationship and get married. If you trust the economy of the country, you say, I'm happy to invest local. If you're happy in the future, I'm happy to invest the lives of my family, the lives of my kids here. So now let's get back to the Christian sense of the word faith. How can we, if we're just sensing an erosion in faith, and and, I mean, I've experienced this. Just recently, there's been a whole lot more, but just recently, there are two church leaders that kind of had a bit of a, a large international footprint that have fallen out of ministry. And I'm facing a crisis. I mean, I thought these guys were solid. I thought these guys were trustworthy. And I can feel just the baseline of Stephen's trust of things around him getting lower and lower all the time. So if that's our environment, if that's what we're dealing with every single day, how do we step into a church and say of ourselves, we are full of faith? First of all, can you recognize we're gonna need to be a little bit more assertive with our faith? We are gonna need to swim upstream so that we can have greater confidence in who God is and what He is doing. So I wanna give you three points that I'm hoping really allows you to grow your faith so that you can say, man, I'm all in. If, if that's who God is, if that's what God is doing, if that's what God has called this church to be, man, I don't have to worry, number one. And number two, I'm so happy to invest and I don't just mean financially. I'm happy to invest my time. I'm happy to invest my resources. I'm happy to invest my energy because I have great confidence, aka I have great faith and what is happening here. So I think the first reason, here's my first point of three this morning. We can be full of faith because we go from a place of victory. We can be full of faith because we go from a place of victory. Stephen, what do you mean? Here's what I mean by that. We don't have to guess how it works out. We know God wins. We don't have to wonder when I'm looking at the things that are going wrong in my life or the things that are going wrong in my family or the things that are going wrong in our culture or the nation around us or the nations around us, we don't have to wonder, what if sin wins? What if the devil wins? We don't have to hedge our bets as churches, as global churches. We know for a fact, indisputable truth, that we go from a place of victory. I wanna give you two quick snapshots. We've highlighted both of these in the last few, few weeks. The first one is looking back. The second one is looking forward. Looking back, I want to read Colossians 2 verses 15. This is Paul writing about the victory of Christ. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See what this verse is saying is that when we look at the cross, we see in history a moment in time where God's victory was made plain to us. It was always God's intent. God always knew He was going to win. God's words have always predicted that. But the cross is the point in history 
where we see the enemies of God disarmed. The cross is absolute proof that sin is beaten. Absolute proof that, that, that hell is beaten, that the enemy is beaten. They have been disarmed, they've been declawed, and, and Jesus literally triumphed over his enemies at the cross. We don't have to wonder about that anymore. Maybe you're saying, but Stephen, why are we still experiencing so much difficulty? And the, the metaphor I always come back to is kind of you know, shooting a, a crocodile. And the bullet's there, it's just a matter of time until it takes him out. But he's kind of, he's thrashing around and he's in his dying, dying moments and, and, and he's gonna take down who he can, but the final blow has been dealt. That's the cross looking back. Looking forward, Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. So we look back and we look at the cross and we see, wow, that's where Jesus dealt the final blow to our enemies. We look forward and we see this incredible picture of every tribe, every tongue represented around the throne, which means when it comes to our context, man, there are oaks from the south of Johannesburg who grew up boxing each other on the streets around the throne. We know that there are people from Eye of Africa and people from Jackson's Drift and people from Soweto and Lanasia and people from Kibler Park and uh, Malbarton and Glen Vista and Bracken Downs, Brackenhurst, Henny on Clip. And with all our collective languages, we know that God wins and they are there. So can you see how, doesn't that grow your faith? God wins. We don't have to second guess that. We don't have to hedge our bets. The second reason I believe we can be full of faith is we can also be full of faith because of what God has said about His church. And by this, I mean capital C Church, the global church. A statement we've read a number of times in the last couple of years, Jesus says these words in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, some of your Bibles might say, the gates of hell will not overcome it. So according to this verse, whose church is this? God's church, and more specifically, Jesus' church. And according to this verse, who is building this church and all the other churches? Jesus. Ah, let's just get some perspective on that. The one who holds creation together, the one who spoke creation into being is the one who holds the church. He says, this is mine. He says, I am the one building this thing. I mean, what power can oppose that? Really? Especially when you recognize we're coming from a place of victory. I mean, why do you think that in spite of persecution, why do you think that in spite of messy churches and messy lives and sometimes even messy leaders' lives, why do you think in spite of secularism, why do you think in spite of governments, or why do you think in spite of, of agendas, both within and outside of the church, that the church is still advancing? I mean, if that was any other human institution, it should have died out 1,900 years ago. And yet is it advancing? I don't have time to get into the stats, but globally we know that the kingdom of God is advancing and we're part of that because Jesus is building His church and we're part of that too. Here's another verse, Isaiah 54, verses two to three. Old Testament verse, but looking forward to the fulfillment of God's people being His church. Enlarge the place of your tent. 
Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. I love that. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will, there's a promise, you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will, there's another promise, dispossess nations and settle in desolate cities. Every single church on the planet is part of this promise coming true, including us. And and God is promising that He is gonna use the church to invade nations and be salt and light in the midst of, of all that opposes Him. And yet He is the one behind them and He is the one fulfilling this promise. Last promise for this morning, at least as far as these verses go, Psalm 2 verses eight. I love these first three words. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. How is that for a promise? Ask of me and I will dot, dot, dot. So guys, I've told you this before. It's been a while since I've, I've told you, but I ask, I ask. You know, there's a, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, you know, ask and then seek and then you knock. And one of the things I ask for regularly is God, give us the south of Johannesburg. And I don't just mean, you know, so the other churches don't. No, 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 all the churches of the south of Johannesburg and all those you wanna add to us, I'm asking. I'm asking because you said you, I must ask and you will give. Well, Stephen, that's your job. No, 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 that's all of our job. Ask of me. So church, Riverside Community Church, here's a promise and I'm inviting you to be part of the crowd that are saying, man, we are aligned in this. Here is your victory. Here is what you've said about what you're building and what you're doing. And now we're asking with great confidence. We're not on our hands and knees saying, Lord, please, maybe if you've got a few spare crumbs from heaven for us. Every time Paul prays for the church, he says, out of his glorious riches, God gives. But guys, let's ask with great faith. And finally, we can also be full of faith because of what the Holy Spirit has said about Riverside Community Church. Point one helps us understand God's victory in the kingdom of God. Point two helps us understand the capital C church, the global church, even the Johannesburg church. But point three is helping us understand the role of Riverside community in the kingdom of God. This is our assignment and we wanna be part of what God is doing. What I'm about to tell you, many of you have heard before, and if you've been here since the beginning, you've heard this a number of times. And I wanna ask you, please don't yawn and check the the sports score of whatever game is going on at the moment. When I speak the story out, I want every single one of you not to think about it in terms of, oh, that's an interesting piece of history. I don't want you to think about it in terms of what God said past tense. Hear this through the lens of what is God promising about our future? Does that make sense? When God has spoken, what is God promising about our future? In other words, where is that arrow point heading? What are we gonna look like? And what, therefore, do we need to do in order to align ourselves with what God is saying? So as uh, Bianca and I was praying about Riverside Community Church, long before we knew it was gonna be called Riverside Community Church, and long before we had ever had a meeting here, we were praying saying, Lord, what are you saying to us? What is this gonna look like? Who are you wanting us to be? And between us, without getting into the details, three verses came out so strongly in, in, in nothing short of powerful prophetic ways. 
And the three verses are these. Again, this is looking forward. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Isaiah 61 verses three. And they will be called oaks, underline, circle, bold. They'll be called, and that's not oaks as in, how's it, oaks? <laughs> They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then Jeremiah 17 verses eight, just see how these promises come together. And he will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes and heat will come because its leaves are always green. And as we put this together, we started realizing, man, God wants us to be a tree, not any tree, but an oak tree with our roots going deep into streams of living water. This was long before we knew we would be here and there was a stream behind us called the Clip River. And this was long before we bought the land next door. And again, there's a couple of streams on there, the Clip River and one of its little tributaries. This was long even before God reminded me, and I've told you the story before, but first time I ever preached was a horrible sermon. Some of you are like, Stephen, I can see that. Uh, Horrible sermon, I was so embarrassed. During the week, this lady came up to me from our church, just an old saint in our church. She says, Stephen, you know, as you were preaching, uh, God gave me a vision, clear as day. And it was a vision of a giant oak tree. And God was gonna use you to build a giant oak tree. And many people were gonna find life in and under this oak tree. And that was years before Riverside Community Church. I had flat forgotten about that. So Bianca and I are here working with these verses. We're working with the team, praying into the future of the church. I think that took about six or eight months. And uh, we started talking about these verses. We started talking about the name Riverside Community Church. And then literally we were in a circle praying about this and God tapped me on the shoulder and he said, remember that vision from three years ago? Telling you the hair on my arms went straight up. And I just felt like God saying, you see, I have promised certain things and I will fulfill these things. And the picture that God has given us of a church, as a church, is an oak tree. Not a blue gum or anything else, but an oak tree. And I just wanna talk into that because what does that mean? Well, the first thing that I think about as an oak tree and, and, and if you've been here for the This Is Us series, you'll see how all these themes have actually come out during the course of these last few weeks or in the, in the weeks coming up. An oak tree has an incredible root system. In fact, it's almost a perfect mirror. The top half of the tree, it's big leafy canopy and branches mirrored by its root system underneath the ground. And as I think about that as a church, again, I just realized, man, God wants us to be rooted in streams of living water. God wants us to be rooted in Him. He wants us to have a complex, stable root system so that we can be rooted in Christ. There it is, the bottom of that screen over there. And we spoke about it a few weeks ago. Rooted in Christ, rooted in His words, rooted in His power, rooted in His gospel. And as much as we are rooted in Christ, He will build His church and He will grow us in heart and in breath. The second thing I think about when, I, when it comes to an oak tree is stability. Now, again, if you've been with us for the last few years, uh, we have been in a bit of a transient uh, moment, almost kind of wandering around in the deserts. By being in, in a building that is not our own, but God promised long time ago that we are gonna be a stable platform going into the future. God wants us to stick around 
Think about what that means for the future. Some of you have kids. We're gonna celebrate this uh, after the GRM meeting and we've got all these little kids running around. But some of those kids are gonna get married. Some of those kids are gonna get married here at Riverside Community Church. Some of those kids are gonna become leaders in this church. And some of those kids, as a result of what's going on here, are gonna have more kids because that's what God does here. And, and also are gonna go and influence the world. God, I mean, just think about your car driving into a big old oak tree. Oak tree wins every single time. And that's God's promise for us. I also think, as I think about an oak tree, I think about something that is organic and something that is growing, something that is speaking about life. Now, some churches rock up on the scene and man, they just explode overnight. And I believe as much as maybe we're not exploding overnight, God is promising us growth. And don't go, oh, Stephen, there you are, not about numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about people who come out of darkness into light and to become part of Christ's body and find healing and power in following Jesus. And we play a role in that. And therefore, as a church, we're not ever gonna say, as leaders, it doesn't matter how big we are, and I'm not, I don't think, maybe it's my faith issue, I don't think God is promising us necessarily thousands and thousands and thousands. But at no point, if we are your leaders, are we gonna say, hmm, this, this church is quite comfortable now. Let's kind of cap our growth here. We are always thinking about the, God still, the people God still wants to reach. We are always thinking about your neighbours. We are always thinking about what does it look like for someone to come through those doors and even the gates on, on the pavement there, what does it look like for someone who hasn't been to church for a while, who's maybe a little bit, you know, I've been invited, I don't even know if I wanna be here or someone who's maybe they just had a horrible weekend, maybe they're even still hungover and they're coming through those doors and I don't know what this is gonna be like. Christians are weird, aren't they? And we're always gonna be thinking about how can we do our best to help them encounter the living God. And everything that we do here is shaped by that and a few other big things. Because we believe God is promising us that we're going to grow and we're gonna continue to experience life as we go in height and in breadth, which leads me to another idea when it comes to this oak tree, is that an oak tree may not be the tallest tree in the world, but as high as it is, its branches are equally wide. But as we grow in height, we're gonna grow in breadth. These branches grow out. I mean, a nice big oak tree, you can climb several big old people like Hay and Craig and me, and we can sit on a good old solid branch and it will not break. And this is a picture of how we are able to impact the community around us and the community in the world. This is what Craig spoke about last week, that God wants every single one of us, whether we're talking about us as a collective or whether we're talking about every single one of us going to work, going to school, going to varsity tomorrow, that we go as the church and we go and part of our calling on our lives is to go and speak the truth and demonstrate the love of Christ to those who need it. The next thing I think about as an oak tree is the word maturity. I don't see a tree that kind of grows and dies quickly. I see a tree that grows in strength. I believe again, that's a promise that, that as we participate in God, what God is doing and again, not just 2016 or 2019, but 2025 and 2030 and 2035, that man, God is gonna mature people in here. People are gonna come in, they're gonna encounter Christ and they are gonna grow in maturity. 
Second last thing I wanna mention about an oak tree is that this might be a weird thing to talk about, but it's a beautiful thing, right? And if you're playing golf or you drive through the Midlands, you see an oak tree, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. First thing I wanna do, I'm 38, turning 39, is, is go and climb the, the trees and I wanna, I wanna be in it. I wanna kind of smell the leaves and feel the bark under my hands. And then after that, I wanna lie down underneath and take a nap. I, I'm attracted to an oak tree. And I believe God is saying that we as a church are gonna attract people to what God is doing amongst us. Jesus, uh, there were moments in time where he, he taught some hard things and, and people kind of left him at those moments. But for much of Jesus' ministry, people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus and they were around him. They were attracted to what he was doing. And as much as we're gonna be branching out and as much as we're gonna be focusing on maturity and strength and depth of relationships and depth of our roots, we're also recognizing, man, we wanna be an attractive presence in the south of Johannesburg. I mean, that forms how we're thinking about what our building is gonna look like, the kind of activities we dream about having on our facility there. Man, so that people can see that God is good, following God is good. And the last thing as I think about an oak tree is this, that there comes a time when an oak tree is maturing that it starts getting much fruit, which we celebrate. And then what starts to happen is those little acorns fall to the ground and you get more oak trees. And again, I, I think that as we talk about deep roots, as we think about the attractive nature of the kingdom, as we think about height, breadth, strength, discipleship, maturity, reaching out, I think there's gonna come a point in time. In fact, I know because I believe God is promising us that there's gonna come a time when it's not just, oh, look how awesome this oak tree is, but no, God is birthing new things through us. New works, new churches. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I believe God has promised it for us. And as a result of all of things, I am full of faith. I mean, uh, uh, in many ways, um, these ideas have been with us for 10 years. In, in a more pointed way, these have been with us for the last few months and even more pointedly the last few weeks. But Friday was the day where I just tried to put it all together for us here today. And, and if I'm honest, I woke up on Friday feeling pretty tired, feeling pretty uninspired, uh, a little bit distracted, spent some time in prayer, spent some time in the Word, and okay, let's get going with this message. And as I started, you know, talking about the victory of Christ, looking back, looking forwards, as I started looking at the kind of promises God has for His church, capital C Church, and as I started recounting the specific promises God has for Riverside Community Church, man, I just got more and more full of faith. I literally got more and more excited, sparks flying from my keyboard. And, and, and here's the thing that I know about you. I can't make you excited about that. I can get excited I can jump around here and maybe even if I was a world-class communicator, make you excited today until tomorrow comes and you forget. So I've been praying that I don't make you excited. I've been praying God ignites a fire in your heart. That as we think about every single one of us are these arrows, we're thinking about not just what God has said in the past, but what it means for our future that we recognize we are going somewhere and God has promised things to us and we are gonna to work together towards those ends as we align ourselves, not to Steve's vision, but what Jesus has given us as a church. 
we can be full of faith because we go from a place of victory. We can be full of faith because of what God has said about His church and we can be full of faith because of what the Holy Spirit has said about Riverside Community Church. So let's go back to when I was talking earlier and with this I'll end. That when we are full of faith, when we trust someone and the person I'm inviting you to trust is not me. I I hope with everything that is in me and I pray that I will not become one of those casualties in the kingdom. But I will, and I promise you this, let you down. So I want us to not look at Steve or any other leader for that matter. I want us to look at the head of the church, which is Jesus. I want us to look at his word, his character, his promises, his faithfulness, his reliability, his track record, both past and present and future, and put our faith in him there. And what happens when we are full of faith? We stop worrying. Guys, I mean, later on today, we're gonna talk about finances and it's one of those things we have to talk about and it just so happened that last year was a pretty good year. The year before was a train wreck. Uh, who knows what's gonna happen this year? But we don't have to worry about those things. Of course, we've gotta be wise. We've gotta plan, we've gotta teach, we've gotta encourage. We don't have to worry. And, and when we look at some of what's been happening on the building front, I, I mean, we've stubbed our toes on a number of things and we've experienced some opposition, but we don't have to worry. Why? Because Jesus is building his church and you can stand against him. We can have faith in his promises for our church. And the second thing that I think we can do as a church is to invest ourselves. And please, when you hear the word, don't just hear rans and sense. Man, when you are full of faith in what God is calling us to do and to be, we can invest Without worry and without concern, we can invest our time. We can invest our energies. We can invest our talents. We can invest our resources knowing how it works out. And that's the invitation that I have for every single one of us. And I pray that God is igniting a sustaining faith so that tomorrow you're even more confident than today. And this time next week, you are even more confident than you are tomorrow that God grows our confidence in Him. So I'm gonna invite you to stand and pray that God does exactly that for us as a church. Father, we are so grateful that You are faithful. Your Word says that even when we are faithless, You are faithful. And for that reason, We don't have to hedge our bets. For that reason, we don't have to have a backup plan. For that reason, we don't have to diversify our energy and our efforts. Because we know, we go from victory. We know what you have said about your church and we know what you have said about Riverside. Holy Spirit, I ask because faith is a gift from you. Father, I ask that you give us faith. A sustaining faith. I ask that whatever that flame looks like in our hearts, that you're adding fuel to that right now. I'm not asking for this bubbly excitement that dissipates by this time tomorrow. God, I'm asking for a sense of the solid ground beneath our feet, that you are trustworthy and reliable. And Jesus, you are still as much at work through your church as you were 2,000 years ago, wandering around Galilee and Judah. 
Except now you're wandering around using your churches to bless the south of Johannesburg, the north of Johannesburg, Swaziland, Lesotho, Africa, Europe. Jesus, your kingdom is growing. God, I pray that you would allow us to seize being fearful and worrying. That's about things in general, but as we're speaking about your body, your church, God, we don't have to worry because we trust you. And Father God, I pray that you'd redirect us so that we can be aligned with your will. We're in this together. We can bet the farm because you've got great faith and confidence in you. So God, do this in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.